congregation that read together from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 27. Lord's Day 27, the second section on baptism. Questions 72 through 74. Is then the external baptism, we rather, the washing away of sin itself? Not at all. For the blood of Jesus Christ only and the Holy Ghost cleanse us from our sin. 73. Why then does the Holy Ghost call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? And so God speaks to us not without great cause. To wit, not only thereby to teach us that as the filth of the body is purged away by water, so his sins are removed by the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ, but especially that by this divine pledge and sign he may assure us that we are spiritually cleansed from our sins as really as you are externally washed with water. 74. Are infants also to be, to be baptized? Yes, since they, as well as the adult, are included in the covenant and church of God, and since redemption from sin by the blood of Christ and the Holy Ghost the author of faith is promised to them no less than to the adult. They must therefore by baptism as a sign of the covenant be also admitted into the Christian church and be distinguished from the children of unbelievers as was done in the old covenant or testament by circumcision instead of which baptism is instituted in the new covenant. So far. The theme for this morning, baptism of infants. Two thoughts. Clearly implied, I think I can prove it, from the Bible, that infant baptism is implied and taught by the Holy Spirit. Sailly, truly comforting. Infant baptism is a true comfort, as we hope to explain. Congregation, what is a covenant? The children know. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. There are promises, there are threats, there are also conditions. For example, a marriage is a covenant. Marriage, in marriage both parties promise to assist each other 
in all things and be faithful to death depart. That covenant is not forced upon, 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 upon people. Coming from both sides. It's mutual. The parties are in this case equal. So husband and wife agreeing, promising, a pact, a covenant, an agreement. In the Bible, we also hear about covenants. An offer between God and sinners, people. And then the parties are not equal. It comes from the Almighty God. He insists this is the covenant. This is the agreement. And we have to agree with that. It does not help to disagree. Consider the covenant of works. It's a pact, it is an agreement God has made with mankind. And God said, if you obey all my commandments, you, you will be saved. You need to completely fulfill the law and you will be in heaven. Now, as you know, that covenant works was broken. We broke it. There's still that claim, still that command. The Lord can't let it go. There's still that asking for his image. God wants his image back. That is an impossibility. We cannot be saved by the covenant of works. Therefore, it's the covenant of grace. Instead of, to also help. And by the covenant of grace, in the covenant of grace, the Lord calls people to repentance and faith, promising them eternal life. And also, don't forget the second piece. He promises faith to the elect. So two things, according to the Westminster Confession. God, instead of the covenant works, comes with the covenant of grace, promising them that repent and believe to give them eternal life. That is, to the whole congregation, even wider. And he promises unconditionally to give faith to the elect. That is also something that is not negotiable without any conditions. That is God's will. So then the question is, if that is the case, do we then need to baptize children? That is our focal point this morning. Do we need to focus, do, do we need to, 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 to baptize children? Well, the Baptists say, so clear in the Bible. You see, it's so often first you have to repent and to believe. And then after that you're, you're, you're baptized. You see that many times in the New Testament. I agree. But let me just ask you a question. 
you say you would like to see a command in the Bible to baptize babies, and you don't find it, so then it's not true? A question. We have a number of times in a year the Lord's Supper here in church. And you see people rising up and going through the aisle and sitting at the table. Only men and also women. Of course, Pastor, women as well. Why? Now, why not? Of course. Can you find it in the Bible? You find in the Bible a text that says that women are allowed to sit at the table? No, not me neither. It is obvious. It is obvious through other texts in the Bible that women also may come to the to the Lord's Supper table. Because I read in Galatians three verse twenty-eight, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. So there are a few texts like that, a few, not, not many, a few texts explaining that ladies, that women are on the same level in this case as men. And that they are as well in the covenant and also may come to the Lord's Supper table. But there is no text about that. So if you say that you need a text with the command to uh, baptize babies, my question is, where is your text for ladies coming to the subject? Now, that means then that we accepted that there are no texts in the Bible regarding infant baptism, no uh, command anyway, but can we not see the same way as with ladies attending the Lord's Supper? That is also a unity. Because of the Sassy, right? Are included in the covenant and church of God as well as the adult. <clears throat> well, I read it in the Bible. Acts 2 verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as our Lord, uh, the Lord our God shall call. So in baptism, we read that, regarding baptism, we read in the Bible that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. You know the Bible, is not a dictionary. It is not an encyclopedia. It's not a book on theology and dogmatics. It is God's word to us. And the doctrine we adhere to is based upon the Bible, but often not literally in the Bible. For example, do you read about the word Trinity in the Bible? Do you, do you see that? Triune in the Bible? No. Trinity? No. 
Do, do we believe in the Trinity? Yes. Because we gathered peace together in the Bible. And did he say, on the basis of those texts together, we believe in the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And so with infant baptism, we say you have so many texts supporting it, we gather them together. And on the basis of those texts, we believe that children also need to be baptized. Baptism because of the covenant. The same covenant. You know, let's just give you a few more examples. In Baptist circles, they separate the covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament from the covenant in the New Testament. They say that's different. That's a new covenant. That's a different covenant. Well, it is new. It is renewed. It is updated. But I can prove that it is not a different covenant. So for circumcision, the sign of the covenant in the Old Testament and baptism in the New Testament is about the same covenant. You say, can you prove that? I can. Romans 11, read about an olive tree with natural branches. The Israelites. And some of those branches are cut off. And wild branches from the Gentiles are put in. And so I see one tree with natural branches and wild branches. But they're in one tree, one trunk. So I would have expected it would be different that the Lord has said there's an, an, an olive tree and a peach tree. Two different ways of God dealing with people. No, no, no. The Lord said, no, there's one tree, there are one people, one shepherd, one flock. So the covenant with Abraham is the same as the covenant in the New Testament. The Bible says so. You also think of Colossians 2. Colossians 2, we read about, about baptism and about <clears throat> circumcision. Colossians 2, verse 11 and 12. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, bathed him in baptism. But in also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So let me summarize it and just explain that. Colossians 2, verse 
11 and 12. Two things are compared. Baptism and circumcision. Right? They're compared. Physical baptism, physical circumcision. They are both mentioned there. But there's also a link between the spiritual circumcision and the physical, right? As there is a link between the spiritual baptism and the physical baptism. So now you have already three lines in the square. And the next step is to close that and say that there's a link between spiritual baptism and spiritual, and, and spiritual circumcision. It is deep down the same thing, it has the same heart, has the same purpose. It is different. Of course it's different. Of course. Of course it's different. We, we all know that. But it's all so much similar. There's a continuity there. Apostle Paul mentions it in Colossians 2 that we must be circumcised by the Holy Spirit and washed and cleansed by the Holy Spirit. And baptism is a seal of that. It's a sign of it. You know, children, young people, if you're born from Christian parents, you are a saint. I mean, saint in the sins of your holy. You are separated by the Lord. The Lord has given you parents who are Christians, and they are in the covenant. And you are as well with them. So that means that you are that, that you earmark, that you are not like the Gentiles are. The Lord has set you apart. You have a you have, you have a, you're, you're a different person. You have a different place in this world. You're very privileged. Because the Paul calls it holy, right? And the parents this morning have also admitted, admitted that. Of all the children are born in sin and subject to all misery, yea, to condemnation itself, they are yet sanctified in Christ. You are. You believe that. You believe, boys and girls, that you are sanctified in Christ. And therefore, listen to that. Therefore, as members of the church, yes, you are. Young people, boys, girls, all of you, six, seven, ten, you are sanctified in Christ, and therefore, as a member of the church, you must be baptized. So your parents baptized you years ago because they knew that you were holy, because they knew that you were set apart that you were in the covenant. 
And they said, although there are some texts in the Bible about the baptism of households, we don't know that now. The main thing is it is the same covenant and we don't need a particular text. Because we don't need a particular text about ladies attending Lord's Supper either. The covenant. There's also a new covenant, you say? Yes. A new covenant. We read about that in Jeremiah 31. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law in the inner parts, right in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. So the Lord doesn't only have an invitation and um, calling to repent, to believe, the Lord also says that I will have a people. I will save a people from their sins. I will do that. Regardless, that is the promise of the Lord for his going. Now that is also a comfort. We are living in dark times. Confusing times. Confusing for parents, confusing for youth. Confusion for young people. There's so many addictions and problems and you name it. It is, in that sense, I think worse than 50, 70, 100 years ago. The sin is so openly available and accessible. And parents sometimes wonder, what is the future of the church? Is there any future? Is it just going all, all over, like in, like in Turkey? In Turkey, there's hardly anything left of the, of the church. Is that going to happen in North America as well? We live in dark times. Time that prayer is neglected. And it's also no wonder that young parents sometimes feel who can do this. Who can raise the child in the fear of the Lord? I can't. Parents sometimes are so discouraged. They look at their own heart and say, Who am I to teach my children? And who are they to receive that instruction? And the circumstances and the dangers? They're so down, they just say, I have no hope for the church. No hope for my people, for my, for, my, for my children. I see the point. If you look at yourself, look at your children, look at the circumstances, there's no hope. But there's a God, a covenant God. And he has said, I continue saving people, mainly in the church. It is God's normal way to pick the bouquet of flowers from his own garden. You know what I mean? A bouquet of flowers not from all over the place, floating from Holland or other places. No, 
flows only wealth house from your own garden. So the Lord mainly draws people from the church. And so let us not look at the circumstances, not look at the hearts of our young people, not look at our own hearts, but look upon the Lord. The Lord has said, I will save the people from, my, from, from their sins, and I will give them a new heart, and I continue saving people for my own glory. He will. Therefore, although we may feel down, there is still hope. I also like to mention at least two texts about it. Related to the covenant, related to underlying the gospel for the whole congregation, for all people of Israel. I like to quote from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 33. It is about <clears throat> Israel in captivity in Babylon, and the people were down. They heard that Jerusalem was destroyed, and they said, it's over. We can't go back anymore. The door is closed. They cry, and they said, "We pine away." And the Lord is addressing them and making a promise and an oath, something related to the covenant. Here it is. Therefore, O thou son of man, Ezekiel was the son of man, Ezekiel. Speak. Speak unto that people. Speak unto the house of Israel. And this they speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Maybe we can live. Is that how you feel, young friend? You just were involved in sins, and maybe you're older and involved in sins and addictions, and sins always addictive. All addictions are sins. And you just give up hope. You say, mm, no, can't be for me. And you just feel down, and you say, why do I go to church anyway? Why would I? It's not for me anyway. So tell them, be pine away in them. I know you should, how should we then live? Say unto them, say to those depressed ones, as I live, said the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But let the wicked <clears throat> turn from his way and live.
Vindt u hier dan? Dit was midden oog. I swear. I promise. I make an oath. As certainly as I live, the Lord said. Don't accuse me of having pleasure in destroying people. I have no pleasure in the death of people. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. How wicked people can be. How wretched. How ungodly. No matter what. I have no pleasure in the death, but I have pleasure in this. That they turn to me. So why will ye die? How is this? Baptism puts a big line in there. No pleasure in the death of the wicked. So when Satan accuses God, when Satan says to you that God is not so forgiving, that God is not so kind, God is not so loving, tell him to read Ezekiel 33. And say, so you Satan, you're such a liar. The Lord has promised in the Bible that he will save his people from their sins and that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. <clears throat> you say, well, there might be a text meant for the depressed ones and for the convicted ones. Already God's people, maybe. What about Isaiah 55? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him do that. Let the wicked forsake his way, change direction. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Don't think so warped. And let him return. He left. Let him return. And to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. Wow. He will. He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Yeah. Saint is a liar, he says. It's just a little bit of mercy to God. Not much. And not enough for you. God says, I will abundantly pardon. Because God is so different from you and me. We have a hard time forgiving. We have a hard time letting go. We easily keep the grudge for a long time. And don't burst. Abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither your ways, my ways. Lord. So, when you wonder if God can forgive your sins, 
The Lord says, I'm not like you. Not like you. You can't. I can't. My thoughts are not his thoughts. And neither your ways, my ways, said the Lord. And holy baptism, Lord, underlined that. So that means, parents, when your boys and girls are 16, 17, and trying to find the, the limits where you can go, what you can do, when they're judging you, think of that covenant. That the Lord has said that the wicked needs to forsake his way and just tell them, tell your children. There is a God who has said he can abundantly pardon uh, that he is not like we are. And also keep in mind that saving people is not our work, God's work. The Lord saves people from their sins. So you may also have that comfort of baptism because the Lord says, you can't, but I can. And I will continue by saving the people from their sins. Congregation, young people, child of wrath, hang over your head, wrath. God is patient, he's waiting, he's loving, but the curse is over you. You're not saved. Are you? Or are you? If you're not saved, seek shelter in the blood of Jesus. Seek salvation only in Christ Jesus. The king, the priest, the prophet. There's nothing to be found in your own heart, only outside of yourself in another. You are in the midst of that. Seek your salvation there. And the Lord has said, seek me and live. Amen.